You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I am here with a bonus emergency edition of of the Glory UGA podcast. I mean, man, this is supposed to be a bye week. I was supposed to be able to take a breath this week, but no, Kirby Smart and company had to go out and get an early start on flip season and ascend to the top of the 247 composite team rankings for this 2022 cycle, at least for the time being. Those things are subject to change, but for the time being, the dogs are yet again sitting there with the number one recruiting class. So, Clearly, I was not planning on doing this episode. This is supposed to be a week where I could just take a deep breath, slow down a little bit, get my mind right for the stretch run of this 2021 regular season, but yeah, not so much. This is just not going to happen. So here I am. I honestly don't really have much of a plan for this episode. No outline to work off of, no agenda, nothing like that. This is just me sharing my thoughts extemporaneously. That, that's what we're doing today. So forgive me if I'm a little bit all over the place and this episode is just one giant disorganized mess. But with all the recruiting news hitting this week, as you might imagine, we've gotten a ton of questions on it and more than a few requests for an emergency podcast to cover it. So I thought instead of waiting and doing like a mailbag thing next week after the news has already passed and the excitement's kind of worn off, I figured, uh, what the heck, let's just go ahead and just move the schedule around a little bit, make some time, carve out a, a couple of minutes here today so I can get on here and give you guys some of my thoughts. So we're definitely going to do that. But before I do, I just want to remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. It is cold weather season, guys. The cold weather gear is coming in hot on the shelves at Alumni Hall. They're getting new stuff in. It seems like weekly at this point. They've got the Nike stuff, the Nike golf stuff. They've got Cutter and Buck. They've got Peter Millar. They've got Johnny O, which I have really started to like. I really like that stuff. It's new to me, but I like it. Anything you want, Columbia, they've got it all there for you. So make sure to visit them today inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens or online at alumnihall.com for all your Georgia gear and accessory needs. But all right, let's uh, let, let's talk about this recruiting run that we've been on this week. 
And it really has. It's been an abundance of great news on the recruiting front. This week and also even going back to last week as well with Oscar Delp. But I want to start off with the bad news, if you want to call it bad news. I want to start off with the guy that we didn't land. Get this out of the way and then move into the good stuff. And of course, earlier this week, a lot of people thought that we were, we were going to land five-star wide receiver Luther Burden out of East St. Louis, Illinois, very close to Missouri. He is a five-star prospect, number 16 overall in the 247 composite. He's a former Oklahoma commitment. He decommitted from Oklahoma a couple months ago, and it was really down to us or Missouri. Missouri is not necessarily the home state school, but like the local school from basically based on where he's located. And for a couple weeks, kind of been hearing some different things from different people. I know people around him in East St. Louis, Illinois, which again is like right on the border there of Illinois and Missouri. They thought he was going to stay home uh, with Missouri. And I know home is in quotations here because he's not technically from Missouri, but might as well be. But there were a lot of people around Georgia that felt confident as well. He made a visit here last weekend, and, and that was the last visit going into his decision this week. So a lot of people around Georgia really felt good about it. I think understandably so, but at the end of the day, he ultimately decided to go with Missouri. And uh, I guess, good luck. I, I don't know much about that decision. I don't think if that was me, I would make that decision. But everybody has their own factors in their lives that are kind of driving them to make decisions. He clearly just wanted to stay close to home. Georgia just does not lose recruits to a school like Missouri unless it's the home factor. Sometimes the, the stay-at-home factor is just hard to overcome. And in this case, clearly it was. And before I say what I'm about to say, I'm just going to put this out there. I know how this is going to sound. I know that when I say this, a lot of you are just going to dismiss it as, oh man, that's just sour grapes. Tyler just, just because we didn't get him, Tyler just down this guy. Just another predictable homer. As soon as you don't land a guy that you wanted, all of a sudden he's garbage now. And that's not at all what I'm saying. But here's what I will say about Luther Burden. I'm not really all that bothered or concerned about him going to Missouri. Would I have taken him? Would I have been glad to have landed him if he had chosen Georgia? Absolutely. He is a good player for sure. But I don't think he's a make or break type player. I know he's a borderline top 15 player in the country, a five-star prospect. And when people see those five stars, they just automatically start drooling. All right. They just, they just love those five stars. They want those five stars. It's good for perception, all those things, right? It's good for the reputation. And I get that. I understand that. And he is a good player. But again, I don't think he's a make or break type player in this class. I mean, put on his tape, guys. If you haven't already, if you haven't watched his tape, put on his tape and tell me. When you watch him play, I know it's it's not full games. It's highlights and highlights are what they are. But highlights are supposed to highlight, right? They're supposed to highlight the best parts of your game, the best plays, the best of the best that you put on tape. And when you see that, does that really scream five-star top 20 player to you? Does it really? Because it doesn't to me. And, and I felt this way since he decommitted from Oklahoma and we jumped back in the picture. I immediately turned on the tape. I'd watched his tape back in the summer. I turned it back on, watched it again. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's a good player. But And I, I would love to land him. Sure, he, he could help us out. But is this guy going to come in and, and be like a, a year one impact type player? I don't know if his tape screams that. I mean, you look at it like, let me just ask, like, what makes him special? What jumps out to you about his game? Does he have good speed? Yeah, he's got good speed. Is it elite speed? No. Is he quick? Yeah. Does he have elite short area quickness? No, not really. Does he have good size? Yeah, good enough. Is it elite size? No. Does he have good hands? Yeah. Elite hands? 
Not really. Does he run good routes? Yeah. Elite routes? Not that I've seen. There's just nothing really that jumps out to you there. And that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. He probably will be a good player. I think he will be a good player at Missouri. I think very highly of Eli Drinkwitz as an offensive mind, and I think he will put him to good use. But not landing a guy like Luther Burden should not be anything that Georgia fans are losing sleep over, especially when we have guys lined up right now that want to join this class. Trust me when I say that, guys. We have guys lined up at this point. Now, I do think we need another wide receiver. I really like Morissette. I like Cole Spear. People are not that high on Cole Spear because he's always a three-star. I think Cole Spear can play. I really like Dylan Bell. I think he's a really good player, an undervalued player right now. But I would like to land another receiver in this class. And we've got a bunch of options. We've got Kojo Antwi from Lambert High School here in Georgia. We've got Shaz Preston, Andre Green, who's another option there. He's a guy that I've been high on going back in the summer when we were talking about recruiting when we were in the off season. So we have options there and I feel very confident that we will land one of those guys or maybe somebody that we're not talking about right now that is a very, very good football player that really is not gonna be much of a drop off from a guy like Luther Burton. So I just wanna start with this because I know there were some people kind of early in the week before the good news hit that were kind of gnashing their teeth and just, you know, I don't wanna say freaking out, but certainly not happy, minor freakouts about not landing Luther Burton when People have been told for a couple of weeks, oh yeah, Georgia's going to get Luther Burton because all the, the crystal balls were all coming in for, for Georgia with him and it didn't turn out that way. So people got upset about that and you started to hear some more of the, oh, Kirby Smart, what's wrong with this recruiting class? What's wrong with this year? And uh, yeah, well, that got silenced real quick, but we'll get to that later. One more thing I do want to mention that's, that's not bad news. It's just kind of like, huh, something to at least talk about here. I don't know if you guys saw this, but 247 Sports, they updated their recruiting rankings. So 247 releases the composite rankings where they take all the different recruiting services out there. They take their rankings. They take rivals. Got, I guess you've got on three now ESPN and they average them out and they give you a composite ranking for each of these players. But they also rank the players on their own as well with, with their guys, with their scouts. If you want to call those guys scouts, whatever you want to call those guys, they're re- recruiting writers. But uh, they re- released their updated rankings, and Gunnar Stockton, our quarterback commit from Raven County, dropped a-, a fair amount in their rankings. 247 in their update dropped him to number 98 overall, which dropped him all the way to number 61 in the overall 247 composite average rankings there. And that's a, that's a pretty big drop for a guy that used to be a five-star for a long time was a five-star prospect. And look, guys, I'm not saying that Gunnar Stockton is the number one quarterback in the country this year. I don't think that's, that's necessarily the case. I'm not saying that Gunnar Stockton should be ranked inside the top 10. I don't think that's necessarily the case either. I probably wouldn't have him in the top 10 either. But I think he's much closer to the number one prospect in the country than the number 100th prospect in the country, if you're asking me based off what you see when you watch him play, the skill set, based on his production, all of those things, his leadership qualities as well, all of those things to me say this guy's far closer to, again, being a number one top 10 type player than he is being a 100th best player, which is essentially where 247 has him ranked. And people kind of push them on that. 247 national guys just really didn't have much of an explanation for it. They didn't really have much of a defense for it. They kind of just like, oh yeah, we think other guys are better. Other guys moved up. And that's fine. That's okay. But in the past, I talked about like his height being a factor, which is kind of odd because there's a couple guys ranked ahead of him, at least one in particular that I remember that I think is two or three spots ahead of him in, in the rankings at the quarterback spot, who's the exact same height. So, I mean, whatever. They, they can pick and choose and, and, and do whatever they want. I think a big factor in this is that he just didn't do a lot of camps this summer. Really what what, what Gunnar Stockton cares about, guys, if, if you've followed this guy, he cares about Raven County football and he cares about hunting, hunting and fishing, right? 
very Jake Fromm-esque, right? So he didn't do a ton of camps. I think he did some seven on seven stuff, but didn't go camping like a lot of these guys did. And uh, didn't do the Elite 11 thing, chose to not go there. And I, 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 these recruiting rankings, these riders, I don't care what they say, they absolutely hold that against guys. You can say, well, it's not a personal thing. They just, if they haven't seen them, they're not going to rank you guys high, rank those guys as high. That's fine. They put too much of a premium on that. And um, they, they dropped them, which is, I guess that's their, their prerogative. They can do that if they want. What I would say about Gunnar Stockton dropping like that on 247 is this he was a five star. What has Gunnar Stockton done at this point to drop? below that. He's only gotten stronger. He's only gotten faster. He just had a big game with 383 total yards and four touchdowns against the defending state champion Pierce County a couple weeks ago. And oh yeah, by the way, uh, he's breaking records. Not Raven County records. He's breaking state of Georgia records. He just broke Deshaun Watson. Heard of him? Yeah, Deshaun Watson, right? Just broke his touchdown record, his career touchdown record in the state of Georgia a couple weeks ago. So that guy is the guy who, who was dropped to basically the number 100 player in the country, which it, to me, is laughable. Uh, rankings, I will, like, yes, I will admit, rankings don't really matter in terms of how the player ultimately pre- performs. If Gunner was ranked number 25, he's ranked number 98, it's not going to impact how this guy actually plays on the field once he gets here to Athens. But it isn't entirely insignificant, if you ask me. Where it does matter is from a perception standpoint. And that's where it gets kind of frustrating for me because say what you want, but the reality is, Recruiting is a beauty contest, and in a beauty contest, perception matters. It's you're, you're trying to sell something, and you want to be able to sell to these guys. Hey, look, Georgia's recruiting at this high level. Georgia's just landed the, the number whatever quarterback in the country. That sounds better than oh yeah, a higher ranked four star prospect. And again, it, it, it's a small thing. It's really not a big deal in the grand scheme of the world. I understand that, but perception is a big part of recruiting. And when your top-ranked quarterback drops like that, and it's not a massive drop, but it's a slight drop, um, it does tarnish the perception ever so slightly, I guess. I mean, we're just splitting hairs here right now. It's it's really not that big of a deal. It's just one of those things. It's kind of annoying when you see it. Cause it's just like, you can't defend that. If you can defend it, that's fine. Give me a defense. Give me an explanation. But didn't really get much of one there. But regardless, outside of Burden, Missouri, and Stockton's dropping the, the rankings, It has been one hell of a week for the Georgia Bulldogs. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
Flip season got started on Monday with Alu, I think that's how you pronounce it, Alu Ba from IMG in Florida, flipping from Florida State to the good guys. He's 6'5", 325 pounds. He's ranked number 366 overall right now. I think he's a guy that in the future will be in line for a bump. He's being recruited, as, as far as I'm being told, he's being recruited as a tackle. Now, he plays a lot inside at guard for IMG. I think he can translate inside at the next level as well. I think he can play inside. I don't see him as a left tackle, to be entirely honest with you. He is a big guy at 6'5", 325, and he moves pretty well, but he doesn't move like that well. He doesn't have the quickest feet. He's not the most athletic guy out there on the offensive line. So I don't see him playing left tackle. I think he absolutely could play right tackle. I think this might where, that might be where he lands here in Athens or guard, one of those two spots. He has good strength. I think he's a really good addition. I'm glad that we got this guy. I think he can be a contender for us. I don't expect him to be a guy that's kind of a plug and play insert guy as a true freshman next year. I think he's got to polish his game up a little bit, get a little stronger, hit the weight room, and uh, then he can be a guy that, that will contend for a spot in a couple years. But he's a good addition. I'm really glad that we land this guy right now. I'm our coaches are hitting it out of the park in their evaluations the past couple of years. So if they want this guy, I feel good about it. And if he's a take for them, then I'd certainly put my trust in our coaching staff right now when it comes to their evaluations. Another guy I would mention on the offensive line to watch out for is Ernest Green from California, actually St. John Bosco, which is the the very famous high school that like DJU went to out in California. He's the guy that we've been recruiting heavily. He's been highly interested, and I think there's a really good chance before it's all said and done that he might also end up on our commit list on the offensive line as well. So that got things started off on Monday on a good note with a flip. Then yesterday, we got some big news. Not necessarily out of nowhere, because he has been at our last three games. He was at the Arkansas game a couple weeks back. He was at the Auburn game and saw us play Auburn. Obviously, he was taking a visit to Auburn, but we were still playing, and he got to see that. And then he came back again for the game last week against Kentucky. And he's a Georgia boy that we have been after for a while. But defensive lineman Michael Williams out of Columbus flipped from Southern California to the good guys. He'd been committed to Southern Cal since the summer. Um, and, but one thing I'll say about Kirby is he never gives up on these guys. And I guess you can say most of these coaches never give up on these, up on these guys. But Kirby is like a flip master. He is just unbelievable when it comes to flipping guys late in the process. And we're not like completely in the process, but we're pretty late in the process. We're about, what, a month and a half or so away from early signing period. And I think the coaching change at USC certainly had a major factor in this as well. But again, Kirby just staying on these guys, making sure his staff stays on these guys, keeps in communication just in case something happens. You never know what's going to happen. And guys, I'm telling you, Michael Williams is a beast. I love this guy. Capital L, love this guy. He's 6'5", 265, and is one hell of an athlete. He's got a lot of explosiveness rushing the passer with a guy his size. He's got a great get-off. You don't typically see guys his size that are as explosive as he is and move as well as he does and have that initial first-step burst off the line of scrimmage. And he plays with really good leverage as well. He's a really active player on the defensive line, plays with a really high motor. But on top of that, it's not just pass rushing skills. I mean, he's a guy that certainly could play inside for us. I'm really impressed with how he also plays against the run. He uses his hands very well. It's something I really watch for with high school defensive linemen. That tells you how polished they are. Do they actually use their hands well? 
Or do they just kind of dominate with like brute force, just kind of run through people? He uses his hands very well. He does a good job of kind of stacking and shedding, which is like you you control the blockers with your punch, you shed the blockers, then you make the play. He does a really good job of that. You can see that on tape. He's really strong. He has a nice array of pass rush moves. He sets up blockers really well. I do think he can add to his pass rush repertoire, but at this stage, I think, I mean, he's got, he's got, obviously got a really good bull rush. He's got a little bit of a swim move. He's got a little bit of an inside move, like a dip move. And I think this is a guy that's absolutely could play on the edge at the next level. And that brings me to my only question with him. My only question with Michael Williams, and this is my question with him when he committed to Southern Cal, is where does he play? And that's a good question to have because what that means is that he has position versatility. This is a guy that I think absolutely could play five tech. I think that's probably where I would project him right now based on the size he is right now. The thing is, you just don't know how much he's going to grow. How much weight is he going to put on? I think he has the potential to also grow into a three tech. If he gets up to the 290, 295 range in a couple of years, he absolutely could be a three tech guy. But even if he gets to that weight, I think he could still play five tech. So this is a guy that can do some different things. I think like honestly, watching him move, I think he has enough athleticism to play outside linebacker in certain packages and situations. Now, is he a guy that you want covering guys in space on a consistent basis? No. He's athletic, but that's not really where his strength is right now. He's not going to be like Nolan Smith out there playing in space and Adam Anderson doing things like that. That's not what he's going to do. But I do think he can play that spot against certain teams and certain schemes and certain packages. But I think long-term, he's probably going to be a five-tech if I had to say, but I think like also you get in like your dime package, third-down situations where you want to get some pass rush on the field. He can also slide down to the three-tech and we'll have to see how his body grows and ultimately where he lands. But I really like the position versatility that he brings to the table. And he's just a guy that can make plays. He, flat out, he's a guy that can make plays. Wherever we end up playing him, he can make plays and he will make plays. Honestly, I think he could play snaps for us right now. Would he be starting for us right now? No, like we're just so good on the defensive front. But I think he's a guy that could come in there and give a guy, give a, guy a blow or two and, and play some snaps for us right now. So I'm very, very high on Michael Williams. And I am pumped that we were able to flip him from USC. And then today, the icing on the cake this week that put us over the top and made me think, hey, man, like, look, we got to do an emergency podcast. I cannot ignore this anymore. Bear Alexander out of IMG by way of Texas made the call and recommitted to the Georgia Bulldogs. He's a former five-star, currently he's number 39 overall in the 247 composite. He's one of those guys that there's a big divergence between how the different recruiting services view him. 247 Sports in their individual rankings has him ranked 92nd, like a borderline top 100 guy, whereas Rivals has him number 10 overall, a top 10 player. So there's a big gap, and now he is viewed between those top two recruiting services out there. But he's a guy that was initially committed to Georgia way back in February. He decommitted in June. He visited Athens for the well, he visited Athens for the Arkansas game. He also was at the Clemson game as well. And he was a Texas A&M lean. I mean, the clear consensus was he was trending towards A&M ever since he decommitted. You guys remember like Nick Williams left here and went to A&M, took a job over there with the Aggies. And almost as soon as that happened, he had a good relationship with, uh, with, with Bear. And as soon as that happened, Bear decommits, not so coincidentally, right? And so the assumption was clearly he was going to go to Texas A&M, which is the home state school. That was, that was the assumption. And I think it was trending that way. And then the 2021 season happened. Our defensive line, the season happened. 
and that started to change things. Another factor, according to his dad, was that you know he, he's a guy that's from Texas, but he would he was transferring from one school to another school inside the state of Texas this year and was ruled ineligible. So he transferred to IMG. He went to IMG. That's where he is now. And that really rubbed him the wrong way and uh, kind of removed the desire for him to play for the home state schools. That was a factor as well. But regardless, whatever the reason, he is now a Georgia Bulldog. And he says, now take it for whatever you want to because he's already committed once, but he says that his recruitment is a thousand percent done. I want to believe him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to give him the benefit and uh, we're just going to say, yes, we're going to take his word for it. And he's done with his recruitment. Now, in terms of what kind of player is he, I think he could be a replacement for Jordan Davis as a nose guard, but he's certainly not exactly the same type of guy. He's a big dude. Don't get me wrong. He's 6'3", 325. He'd be one of the biggest teams linemen that we have on the roster right now if he was on the team this season, but he's not Jordan Davis big. He's not 6'6", 345, 350, somewhere in that range. He's not that kind of big. We're just going to like eat up double teams, play after play after play. But that doesn't mean he can't play nose guard. Jordan Davis body types don't grow on trees. I think he absolutely could play play nose guard. I think he will play a fair amount of that as well. But he's another guy along the defensive line that I think has some positional versatility. I think he could play nose guard, like a zero tech or a shade. I think he'd also play the three tech, which is what a guy like Jalen Carter or Devontae Wyatt typically play. But he's an interior guy all the way. I certainly do not see him out on the edge at like the five tech where you might see a guy like Michael Williams. He'll play somewhere in the interior. It could be nose guard. It could be that three tech spot. One thing I love about Bear is the size. I mean, he, he right now, he's college ready. Like he's college ready right now in terms of how big he is. I also love kind of like with Michael Williams. He does a really good job for a guy that big and that strong, that powerful. He does a really good job with his hand usage and his ability to disengage from blockers, stacking and shedding. He also moves really well laterally down the line of scrimmage, and he also moves well laterally in a short area, which combined with his size and his strength just makes him a really, really tough player to handle on the interior of the defensive line. And he, he is, he's hard to move. Now, is, again, is he as hard to move as Jordan Davis? No, he's not that big but he's still very hard to move. Another thing I love about his game is that, yes, he might be a little bit shorter. Might you, and when you look at him, he doesn't even look 6'3". It looks like he's a little sawed off, but that he uses that to his advantage. He plays with really great leverage, already kind of low to the ground, at least compared to a guy like Jordan Davis. So he uses that leverage to his advantage. He also plays with a really high motor. He's an active guy. And again, he's at IMG right now. And I just got to stop and pause for a second and say, Thank you, IMG. IMG has been very, very good to us. It's almost become like a Georgia recruiting pipeline. Obviously, they have insanely talented players there. If you guys aren't familiar with IMG, it's basically a, a an athletics boarding school. So they, they don't just have football. They've got tennis. They've got baseball. They've got basketball. they got whatever, right? They're basically just going there. And I guess technically they're going to school. They're going to class, but they're really there to learn their sport. They're majoring in whatever sport they're playing. And IMG is one of the best football programs in the country, if not the best football program in the country. I mean, it's basically like an all-star team. That's what it is. And that is about as good of a school as you can have be a pipeline to your football program at the college level. Now, obviously, other teams are getting players as well, but we've gotten, off the top of my head, at least five guys among the last two classes, going back to the 2021 class last year and this 2022 class already. And there's a couple other guys at IMG, like Kamari Wilson, that we are very much involved with right now. And, and I think you could say potentially even lead with. So that's huge, man. Getting guy like Bear Alexander on top of getting 
a guy like Michael Williams, that is just one heck of a recruiting haul in one week. And I also want to go back to last week as well. We'll throw him in as well as we get a chance to talk about him on the show. Oscar Delp, tight end Oscar Delp from West Forsyth, 6'5", 220-pound tight end, number 91 overall nationally, ranked as the number one tight end by 247 Sports. In the 247 Composite, he's the number two tight end. But this guy is awesome. All right. I know we all love Brock Bowers. I told you guys last December how much I love Brock Bowers and how high I was on this guy and how I thought he was going to make an impact in year one. I'm going to sit here and say the exact same things about Oscar Delp. Now, I know that tight end room is loaded with obviously Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, even got John Fitzpatrick there. But Oscar Delp, guys, is that good. He's going to come in and he's going to play right away. He's too good to keep off the field. As athletic as Brock Bowers is, we've seen this guy make big play after big play after big play. Heck, he even had a rushing touchdown this season. Oscar Delp is just about as good of an athlete as Brock Bowers is. Now, did Oscar Delp play like running back and quarterback at times in high school? No, but he's a little bit bigger, at least a little bit taller, a little bit longer, and this guy can flat move at the tight end position. So he's going to play. With how we like to use 12 personnel, 13 personnel, he's going to play next year. Now, is he going to have the impact that Brock Bowers had in year one? I don't think so because I don't think the opportunities are going to be, uh, be there like they were for Brock this season. But Delp is a big-time player. If he was anything but a tight end, like tight ends are undervalued in the rankings process. All these guys do the rankings. One of the things they'll tell you is that they rank guys based on obviously their perception of how good they are, but they also factor in their position and the value that position holds. Like kickers and punters are rarely ever rated more than two stars because they just don't put that much value on kickers and punters. And tight end kind of gets the same treatment or a a similar type of treatment. Now, obviously they're not rated as two-star guys, get more value than a kicker, but it's the same concept. They don't get as much value as a quarterback does. And I think that's wrong. Now, to me, that's an antiquated mindset. Tight ends, you guys watch football just like I do. Tight ends have become central pieces of offenses in the modern age of college football and football at any level, really. I mean, just look at our offense right now. Brock Bowers, a true freshman tight end, is our leading receiver. I absolutely think, even with the loaded tight end room we have right now, that Oscar Dutt will come in next year and and make plays for us. And I absolutely think in a couple years, he will be in the NFL. I will go on record saying that right now. So if you go back to last week, I think that was last Wednesday, you throw him in the mix on top of Michael Williams, on top of Alu Ba, on top of Bear Alexander. What a freaking recruiting week it has been. And the Georgia Bulldogs are now once again, atop the 247 composite recruiting rankings. We have overtaken Alabama and we are yet again, number one. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But here's the thing, guys we ain't done yet. There are still some big fish out there. Now, I've been told, and this is something that's that 
always fluctuates. It can always change. Circumstances, situations change. But what I've been told is that we're going to take upwards near 30 players this year. And you might be wondering how. Like, well, I thought the, the cap was 25. Yeah, yeah, things have changed. Because this year, remember, there's the new rule that the NCAA has instituted. They give them at least a, a one-year waiver, and they're going to try to come up with some more permanent legislation. But this year, there's a new rule regarding replacing players lost to the transfer portal. So you can replace up to seven players that you lost from the transfer portal. So if you take the the 25 cap, you add seven, we can take up to 32 players. Now, what we're going to do, what I've been told, is that we're going to hold some players for the transfer portal. We're going to hold some spots. We're not going to go out and get 32 guys necessarily because there might be some holes in the roster where we need to go out and get an impact guy that can play immediately for us. A guy like Darion Kendrick that can be a plug-and-play, experienced, instant impact guy that can fill a hole somewhere in our roster. So we're going to save some spots for that, but we're going to take upwards near 30 players in this class. So right now we're sitting there at 21 with the number one class. We've got a number of guys that we either lead for or at least in the top two or three for that are highly, highly rated guys that are only going to push that recruiting class even higher. So here's a couple guys just to watch out for. Christian Miller from Cedar Grove. We already have one of his teammates on this year's commitment list in Carlton Madden. He's a guy that's a defensive lineman, number 122 overall. He's a guy that I think can certainly come in and be a big time contributor for us down the road. Watch out for him. Shamar Stewart, the number eight overall prospect in the country out of Florida. He's a guy that's going to play somewhere along the defensive line, got some positional versatility there, a pass rushing type guy more than anything. He's a guy that I don't know if we lead for, but we're certainly heavily involved with him. Kamari Wilson's a guy that we've, I think, led for based on what you hear from the recruiting writers. We've led for, for him for a while now. He's, he's kind of taking the process. It seems like he'll probably take the process the distance, but he's number 20 overall prospect. He's another guy at IMG. He's a five-star guy who I feel really good about us landing here eventually. Ernest Green, I mentioned him earlier, number 47 overall prospect, the offensive lineman out from St. John Bosco in California. Kojo Antwi, if you're looking for a receiver, number 133 overall here from uh, Lambert in the state of Georgia. He's currently committed to Ohio State, but we're working on him. He's a guy that I would certainly watch out for. And one guy to really watch, a guy that I absolutely love, is a dude by the name of Shamar James. He's just decommitted from Florida following a visit to Athens for the Kentucky game. Coincidence? I don't know. We'll see. He's the number 70 overall prospect. He's an inside linebacker. And this dude is like flat out explosive. He can fly. I mean, like I turned on his tape because I didn't really watch the guy play. I didn't think that we were really that heavily involved with him. Then I saw him make the trip to Athens. I saw him decommit from, from Florida. And I turned on the tape and I'm like, whoa, where has this guy been? How did I not know about this guy? Just jumped off the tape to me. So this is a guy that I am really, really high on at the inside linebacker position. He's 6'2", 212 right now, can fly, does a really good job playing downhill. He is an insane athlete and just flat out lights people up. He's such a good athlete. He's a linebacker, guys. He's a linebacker. When you look at him, you're like, yeah, that's a linebacker. But he's such a good athlete. He plays wide receiver on offense for his football team, for his high school team. That's how good of an athlete he is. And he is lighting people up. So Keep a very, very close eye on that one. Again, just decommitted from Florida. It was Florida, I think Florida's highest rated recruit, if I remember correctly, either their number one, number two highest rated recruit in this 2022 class. And he just decommitted following a visit to Athens. So I don't know. I'm just saying, just saying, just watch out for that one. All right. One last thing before I get out of here. I wasn't going to do this. 
I wasn't going to say it, but I've got to. Now I'm on a roll here. i got to put this out here. So remember this past summer, and really every summer the past, what, three or four years, where we got so many questions, so many questions about the recruiting class. Has Kirby Smart lost his touch? What's going on with the recruiting class? We're falling behind. It's caught up to Kirby Smart. He hasn't won the big one on the field, so now the recruiting is going to suffer too. And I get it, guys. I really do. We're all passionate about Georgia football. And when things start to not look as good as we want them to look, it's concerning because we all care. And that's a beautiful thing. The caring, the passion, the love for Georgia football. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's what makes college football special. Absolutely. But when all those questions were rolling in, what did we tell you guys? What did we tell you on this show? We told you guys to try your best, as hard as it might be, to find your happy place and just let it play out. Just let it play out. Give it a couple months. And if we're sitting here October, November, December, and it's still the same story, then let's start to freak out. But the summer's not the time to freak out. It's been the same story year after year after year. What we told you this summer is that we needed to win. Winning at a high level this season would cure all those issues. We needed to beat Clemson. And we need to need the nation to know we weren't playing anymore. We're not playing around. We needed people to know that. And a lot of guys out there, a lot of these recruits were in wait and see mode. They wanted to see it. They had to see it before they would believe it. Because we were being recruited negatively against. Absolutely. There's a lot of negative recruiting. Well, yeah, Kirby, uh, you know, he, he recruits all these great classes, but what does he do with them? He doesn't develop them. Even people in our own fan base are saying, Kirby can't develop talent. That's the narrative, right? And that was starting to seep into some of these guys. They were starting to listen. Some of these high-profile recruits, they don't want to go to the NFL. Of course they do. They were starting to listen. Kirby can't win at all. Kirby's in these big recruiting classes, and, and he's not developing those guys. But we had to win. And that's exactly what we've done. That's exactly what we've done. It wasn't pretty against Clemson, but we won that game on a big stage. And then we've gone out and we've won big time matchups against top 10 caliber teams, at least at the time of their ranking, that were high profile games. All eyes were on the Arkansas game. All eyes were on the Kentucky game. It was the most watched college ball game. Actually, it was the most watched program of any sort on television on Saturday. People are watching us. We are the team that's now must-see television. Players are seeing how insanely well our defense is playing. We had to win. We had to look good doing it, and we've done it. We've answered those questions, and now we're reaping the benefits on the recruiting trail. And look, you guys, you can question Kirby Smart about a lot of things, whether it's in-game decisions, quarterback situations, which we'll get into next week. I can't even go there right now with the news that at least the interview gave today. We'll get there next week. I want to get Curtis's take on that. You can criticize him for a lot of things. That's fair. All those things are fair. That's fine. One thing that you can't criticize a man for is recruiting. One thing that you should never question Kirby Smart about is recruiting. And that's why, guys, I don't really jump on the freakout bus when recruiting is not going well in the summer because I've seen the evidence. I've seen it time and time again. The same story. It plays out the same way. Kirby Smart never lets us down on the recruiting trail. As long as Kirby Paul Smart is our head coach, we are going to have as good of a roster up and down the 85-man limit as any team in America. That's what this guy does. He puts a premium on it. He demands that his recruiting staff 
do the same things and work as hard as he's working, his coaching staff, all of it. It's important to him. It's critical to him. I don't worry about it. And I'm just telling you guys, hopefully you're starting to understand that you don't need to be worried about it either. I know it's hard not to because we want all these guys and we want to win at a high level. We want to be great. We want to be a dynasty. And we got to do it on the field. And we're starting to do that now, but don't worry about recruiting. I hope you guys are starting to see that. But all right, guys. That does it for me here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Again, I apologize if I was kind of all over the place, a little disorganized here. This is kind of just a spur of the moment emergency podcast. I wanted to get on here and give you guys some of my thoughts because you guys are asking for it. And as a show of the people, we got to give the people what they want. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next week getting ready for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Got a lot of coverage for that game. For you guys, so make sure to check back in. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your bye week. A little bit of downtime. Watch as much caution ball as you can. Soak it up. As much as it pains me to say it, it will be gone before we know it. So have a great weekend, guys. It's always great to be a Georgia Bulldog, but this week it was just a little bit sweeter with all the great news on the recruiting front. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>